Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. And you might say I'm ensconced, ladies and gentlemen, on main campus in Toronto here at ami Thanks for being with myself and co-host for the program today, Brock Richardson, who just arrived, as they say, in the nick of time. Hey, pal. Hello. It's nice to share the same space. And uh, it's it was quite the trip. The traffic was brutal. That's one thing I do not miss about commuting into Toronto. When you get to Milton, it's like, yeah, slam on your brakes. That's yeah. enough of that. Now, you just go at a nice pace and then, nope, not so much. But it's good to be in studio it's alongside a, you. It's an incredible reminder, right? And, and I, you know, you start thinking and people outside, I know this is where a lot of people uh, who aren't Toronto people say, oh, well, that's what you get for that busy center of the world type city. And I can tell you, you really do notice it's always busy, always happening. Um, and, of course, so much commerce being done. It's not just people just running around, yippity skippity, we get to have fun. Uh, there's so much going on at any given time in the business field. And, uh, you know, here here we are uh, as as we get ready for a, a new year um, as fiscal year starts tomorrow and AMI-audio folks as we had Andy Frank on yesterday telling us all about uh, a lot of changes in the sense of the new scheduling and a lot of exciting things so for us all gathering today it's kind of that uh, get together talk um, see some stuff meet people and, and have those conversations which brings us here but boy Brock yeah I, I hear you I, um, I don't envy the people and when I was here all the time I used to be amazed by the distance people came, or at least the time they spent in their vehicles every day uh, coming to and from. It, it certainly rivaled my journey in from London that I did in um, on Mondays, back on Fridays at that point, and how long it took me. But these folks were doing that every day. Yeah. And uh, you just sit back and say... Oh, good heavens, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, nice to be here with you, sir, and uh, we better swing into it. We've got a lot ahead. Let's see what's coming up on Kelly and Company. On in the know with Margaret Weldon. She's going to be sharing some safety tips to keep in mind for students returning back to school. Regional content reporter Jim Crisco tells us about an Edmonton organization that aims to provide a more inclusive experience of Alberta waiters. We'll also, as Alicia Yardley from AMI's Human Resources Department joins us, to talk about employment. We always enjoy those conversations and learn so much. We'll get into that with her during Hour 2 here on Kelly & Company. A new record has been set for the most money ever paid for a piece of sports memorabilia. A mint-condition baseball card of this New York Yankees seven-time World Series champion sold for $12.6 million. Mickey Mantle follows with another home run. Heritage Auctions ran the bidding, a handsome profit for Anthony Giordano, a New Jersey waste management entrepreneur who bought the card for $50,000 in 1991. No word who made the winning bid. An expert explaining the red-hot market says the lure of making money on something that might be sitting in one's childhood basement has been irresistible. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. So, uh, you're a sports memorabilia person. Obviously, you're not going to pay $12 million. Would you if you had it? Uh, if I was a bachelor, maybe. 
But I don't think my wife would remotely appreciate it at all. If I Even if you were, like, incredibly well off. Like, if you had Gates' money or, or Tesla money kind of thing, right? Like, like if you had, you know, uh, must money. I love saying that. Must money. If you had that, would you... Would you <clears throat> Would you spend it on something like this? I would love to, but I still think the answer would be a hard no. So the equivalent in your dollars, um, what would be the most you would pay? Uh, I, I, You know what? If I would probably pay, you know, uh, maybe 1000 or $2,000 for something. Like I was always one of those people that would like one of those seats, you know, from the old Maple Leaf Gardens or if they ever change, you know, Scotiabank Arena, sure, that'd be cool to have one of those. That's always been a dream of mine, but I know those go for a lot more than what I just just said to you there for a couple thousand dollars. But, I mean, I love my sports memorabilia, so. It's funny you mentioned the seats because I almost got some CNE Stadium seats where the Blue Jays first played for their, their, their first uh What's that, 11 seasons? No, no, more than that. 12 seasons, 77 to 89. Yeah, so almost 12 seasons. And um, somebody I knew was on the board uh, at the CNE, and he talked to me about, well, when they take the stadium down, do you want some seats? <gasps> you know, and then I thought, uh, no, they're, they're seats. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to leave it there. Hard hard pass on them, their seats. Um, sir, the idea of so-called quiet Quitting is growing more common these days, and one expert says it's a profound opportunity for Canadian companies and their employees. Melissa Nightingale of management training firm Raw Signal Group says essentially quiet quitting refers to clocking in when you're expected to, doing your assigned tasks, leaving on time, and then not taking on extra work outside your regular hours. She notes that it's not about slacking off on the job, but rather setting boundaries and preventing burnout, adding that many employees don't want to return to pre-pandemic norms. Rob Westgate, the Canadian Press. So we've talked a lot about making sure employees can protect themselves by saying, no, I don't do work after the time. You pay me for the hours I'm here. I don't do work after, after those hours. We want to make sure people are protected. However, Brock, a lot of jobs come with maybe you got to do social media or certain things outside of times or respond beyond call in case. And I worry having it put out there in such a way may make some people say, well, no, I just have to say say no and I'm protected. This is a law. Well, no, it's it's a, a method that's happening. It is a law that, that they can't run you into the ground, obviously, and say and pester you outside of hours. There's some things that the government of Ontario, uh, being one of the provinces, is doing that now or is stating it, standing behind it. But I know there's that flexibility. I want to see these bosses, these people who are hiring people, these HR departments, say this at the time of hiring. Well, with this job is going to come X number of minutes, hours outside of your job that you're not paid for. At least be honest so a person can decide if they want to keep the job or state how much you're expected to do outside of the job. I have no idea, in theory, how possible this is. I think, too, though, if you were open and transparent, that then no one can say, well, I didn't know, because you do know if someone says this is how many hours you're expected to do outside of this, and then it's up to the, you know, the employee to say yay or nay on whether they want to take the job. I think it comes into the problem of when no one says anything and it just becomes, quote unquote, assumed that you have to do the extra work. Exactly. Or just that, well, you know, job 
job duties change, your your role may expand, or when they want to cut back, maybe cut back a little, rolled back, decrease. So will your pay, by the way. So all those things. It's an interesting way of looking at it. We'll step aside for a moment when Brock and I return. Margaret Weldon, man, she's doing double duty on the program, but we've got her up next to talk li- uh, health headlines. It's Wednesday. Get the days right. She'll be with us momentarily right here from main campus in Toronto of Accessible Media, Inc. Welcome back to our Wednesday edition of the program. Midweek, folks, as we work our way through another week. And last day of August. Things change tomorrow. It's September. Always seems that way, but uh, unofficially, because everybody knows things change the day after Labor Day. Get it right. Come on. Not New Year's. Not September 1st. Day after Labor Day. If you want to reach out to us, feedback at ami.ca. Best way to do it is an email. Ask your question to the gang over there at... uh, Communications, marketing, marketing communication, whichever way you want to say them. They'll help you out over there, folks. That's at feedback at ami.ca, 1-866-509-4545. If you want to give us a call, mention it's for Kelly and Company, if you would. And give us permission to use your message on air. If we uh, can, we shall. 1-866-509-4545. On Twitter, at AMI-audio. At AMI-audio, you can keep up with what's happening on the live shows and ask your questions to the gang over here at AMI-audio. I'm Kelly McDonald, host of the program, co-hosting with me, Brock Richardson. And on a Wednesday, we usually bring Jeff Ryman in and we talk health headlines. But this week, filling in for Jeff as he's away on vacation, Margaret Weldon, Megs, you're here too in another studio uh, over there, all uh, sequestered and ready to go with health headlines for us. Welcome. Thank you. I got to remember not to uh, be be uh, dancing to the music. No. Don't be don't be headbutting your microphone over there or anything like that. Oh no, I like bouncing left right and and I kind of forgot where I was and uh, Matt <laughs> Matt kind of commented, you know, the one thing I miss is is watching people jam to the music and I went never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Long as you're in the beat of it. Uh where are we starting? Okay, so we're going to start with a very interesting question today. So when you okay, I'm going to start with you Brock. When you wash your hands in a public facility, what drying method do you prefer? Do you prefer the air dryers that, you know, the hand dryers, or do you prefer the paper towels? So that has changed for me since COVID. When I, before COVID, I would use the hand dryers because I thought, well, they're accessible. I can do that on my own. Since COVID, I have seen many, many things that say that those hand dryers are full of germs. So I either use paper towel or do the air dry uh, mechanism for me personally. Okay, fair enough. What about you, Kelly? Um, I kind of like the hand dryers always sort of have, but you keep, even before the pandemic, you'd hear, well, that's not really safe and everything like that. Um, pulling paper out, is, it feels physically and uh, that you're, you're getting a good job done. I don't like the waste. I, I definitely would prefer... Even though some places you go to, those fans, or those hand dryers are so loud that they throw you off as you're walking and somebody puts it on and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't find my way out of here. Uh, I've had that situation, but definitely hand dryers. Okay. Well, it's, you've, you've, got, you've got one-on-one. So 
in, according to a study that was put together by the applied group of uh, uh, medical journalists, medical journal people, I, I don't know, I guess it was a study of scientists, put together um, where they measured the number of germs when you dry your hands with paper towel and the number of germs when you use an air dryer and, yes, even when you, ha- when you just air dry your hands too. And here's what they found. Even though the paper towel method is greener, because of course, uh, with the hair with the air dryers, you're not throwing out paper towel, right? Right. So you're not creating garbage. But rubbing your hands dry vigorously with paper towel leaves your hands cleaner. Now, if for some reason you want to use the air dryer, or if there's you know no other method. There's a proper way to do it is to put your hands under the air dryer, but palms facing up in the air and do not rub your hands together because the friction when you rub your hands together somehow gives the germs an opportunity to grow and be carried around, right? Well, you're also heating it up and they like that warm space, but isn't that interesting? Um, I mean, and again, I guess the, the paper towel, you're assuming it's not just a roll sitting on a counter because so many people are then touching it. That's right, too. That's right. I, I, they're, they're looking at like these, uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember I mean, the last time I saw a roll of paper towel sitting on a counter in a public restroom. Germs are, are obviously, or whatever you want to call bacterium, uh, it's going to be coming out of a machine at the best of times. And I, I guess holding your hands, pointing up, palms, that's kind of the way I've always always done it. But they have the ones, Margaret, where you kind of get your hands in between. And I, I like those where it just comes spraying, you know, the air comes out. Yeah. But I would imagine those pose a different hazard, even though people have washed their hands, but people are still touching that. There's a lot of contact. Yes, that's very true too. And um, another thing that people do, oh, by the way, just letting your hair, hands air dry, that, or you know, like Brock was saying he does, um, that actually creates the most germs because germs love water. And it's their easiest method to spread their bacteria and be transported from one person to another. So if whatever method you use, the drier you get your hands, the better. And if you wipe your hands on your shirt or your pants, um, that's another way of of, uh, transporting germs as well. So um, it didn't specify what type of air dryer worked better than another. It just looked at the different amount of germs between um, paper towel and air drying. And uh, yeah, I'd be, I'm kind of surprised myself because I would have thought that the air dryer would leave more just because you are touching it and, you know, you're holding your hands under the thing where other people have held their hands and that kind of thing. I've never understood pants. Like you're, you're, you're wiping on your actual clothes? Yeah, some people do that. Yeah. I've never understood that. No, neither have I. But some people. <laughs> yeah, that 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 one's just weird. Like, I mean, I, I've heard people that will say, you know, like when I'm when they're washing their hands, they won't touch the top of the the faucet. Like, if if the faucet is like too low into where your hands are, they and they need space. I've heard that, but the drying on your pants, yeah, I don't quite get that because you're just putting germs from one space to another on on a your germ person. and your pants face it are going to be germy if you want to say that but i've just never understood if you're <laughs> i'd hate to forget yourself if you're someone you know who's not used to wearing a suit you go out to a business front go in the bathroom wash your hands what are you doing wiping on your suit like you know if you get so conditioned a certain way and i'm sure some people are maybe they're not comfortable touching the 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 um paper towels or using because that's the only thing you hate the fact that when you got to roll the paper towel, you're still touching the side and that 
spot to put your finger in to twist to get the, them to roll out unless it's a totally automatic. Yeah, yeah, and especially too, if you're blind people like us, you know, maybe we get sauce on our fingers and maybe we thought we washed it off properly or washed it all off and then you go and you dry your hands and maybe you still got a bit of sauce that goes from your fingers, from your wet fingers to your good clothes. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, I, and I will say this, I do understand the frustration if you are vision impaired, can't find the towel racks and stuff, and this is something that normally happens to you, reaching around, touching everything else, re-dirtying your hands, I can understand the wiping on pants then in, in that application. Or so, let me put it this way. I can understand someone getting to where they just say, forget it, I'll just wipe it on my pants. Like, yeah. like you know, dry my hands on my pants. Not something I'd do, um, but I understand that frustration too because I have been that guy touching around, where the heck is the paper towel, leaving my wet prints everywhere. But it's so easy for us as people that are blind and partially sighted to do things like that just by, you know, the circumstances of your life. Because, <laughs> because that's what we do, right? But now, it, things like this have been so heightened in the last two years. Where it's like, yeah, touching surfaces, not the best, you know, course of action. Well, and, and you have to watch how loud you yell that out because everybody says, no problem. We'll fix it. We'll put sensors but then you don't know when you're moving your hand, swinging your hand in front of something that's to lock the bathroom door. If you're using a public facility, uh, you know, a, a, a independent, you know, an accessible bathroom, let's say, uh, you go to, you, you know, lock your door. You get the door to automatically open. You get in. But you don't necessarily know, is this the thing to lock it? Did I hear the thing? Was there noise? Is it actually locked? Yes, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. boy. Problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to um, a, a unique one here. Did you know that gratitude, the science of gratitude, has uh, said that uh, gratitude can help improve your health? I uh, think so. Right, Brock? Yeah, I can understand Thank that. Thank you, Brock. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, you, Brock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's probably the only time you two will agree. <laughs> anyway, um, Robert Emmons, who is a professor of uh, psychology at the University of San Diego, California, and the editor of a book called Thanks, Understanding the Science of Gratitude, says that gratitude should uh, be is a crucial element of happiness. And it should be a state of mind because people need to acknowledge what they have. So, you know, when, when your parents or your guardians or whatever may have told you when you were kids, say thank you to, you know, for the gift or thank you for this or thank you for that or, you know, whatever the case might be. So it's it's good to acknowledge what you have and you need to understand that life is good. And life, because life has many sources that are outside of you, right? Life's good maybe because of a parent, because of a spouse, because of a child, because of a, you know, maybe even a job. Some people really do, you know, love their jobs. Um, I heard that quiet crit- quitting thing earlier today, right? Whereas other people really love their jobs. So to understand it better, the uh, the more appreciative you are, the more grateful you are, the happier you become and the healthier you'll be. Yeah, I mean, I was always, you know, growing up, it was always instilled in us that, and I'll take birthdays, Christmas as my example, you had to look for the card first. You had to look for the card because the initial reaction of kids and even as we get older is go for the gift. Go And we were always taught be thankful even for the card. Be thankful for everything you get. And I think that we take these things for granted, Margaret, so easily that we kind of forget ourselves in certain situations. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, too, sometimes it's, well, how come so-and-so got, got a bigger present than me? 
Yeah. You know, um, and that happens when you're little kids. Especially when you have siblings. Oh, yeah. And I'm not so sure it has to be little kids for that to happen, right? No, that's right. true. It really <laughs> yeah, in some some ways it really doesn't either, right? Some yeah. people say, Well, you know, so and so got a bigger gift or so and so got this or that and you know, you know, and unfortunately we stop we 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 forget to stop and think, gee, you know, it, it's the thought behind the gift, it's the yeah. time that somebody took to to um consider it and purchase it and do whatever with it, right? So that's another thing. Some people, I mean, we obviously are flattered if somebody knows us well enough, uh, I guess, and, you know, it takes that time to get somebody something or can. Um, again, I, I know some people, if you say, well, I got you a gift certificate for here, here, um, you can utilize it these places. And some people will say, well, that's not a lot of thought. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, yeah, I understand. I yeah, and I understand you want to feel or want to show if you're giving something to someone that they know you, you thought about them. So I understand. And I don't know if it's a, in certain circumstances, certain relationships, certain friendships. I, I just think anytime people take a moment to think it, it's nice, whether it is that, whether they, that life is busy and that's all they had time to, to stop and do, they have to know, you yeah. know, what, what would be a place you'd want. So there's, to me, it shows some thought. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. Um, you know, I've often heard of debates, uh, even now, maybe, maybe you heard this one, Brock, maybe you didn't, maybe you went this way for weddings, you know, where you, uh, register at places like the Bay or, well, the Bay's gone now, but, you know, stores so that you know what the bride and groom has and you still know what they need for wedding presents for showers or whatnot. And there's the old school way of thinking is, well, you know, in my day when we had a wedding shower, it didn't matter if you got three toasters and four coffee makers. Mm, You were grateful. That was it. Yeah. No, it it was such a um, putting on a wedding was was a um, task, I'll say, that was an experience and making sure that everyone was covered. And no matter what somebody gave, I was grateful. I had people that gave us services that I was just as grateful as the person that gave us a, a you know, X dollar amount gift. It doesn't matter. That's they right. gave you a service. They came to your wedding. There were people that traveled from out of town. All these things had to be considered. And That's you right. should be grateful for every single thing you receive. And you don't have to weigh it out when you give a gift. You know, well, I want to make sure I'm giving with equal amount to what someone else does or that I'm giving it across the board for equivalent. Like you, you, can, you could go crazy working that out and, and do a huge disservice. And even somebody's presence is enough That's because right. the, to, the price of gas coming out of town to a wedding is of in itself an expense. Yes, so. yeah, you're right. All right, Megs. We'll wrap on you for that. Settle back there. Give you a couple of minutes because Margaret is sticking around with us as she finished up health. She's just doing a switch there. Yeah, move those documents. Get on on there on the right computer screen there. Uh, Margaret will be right back with In the Know. Stick around right here on AMI-audio and Kelly and Company. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks, as we enjoy our Wednesday edition of Kelly and Company. Around Canada, check out AMI-audio right from your TV. SaskTel customers, you guys can find us over on channel uh, 555. And Rogers, Ontario, we're on channel 196. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. 
Sitting with me here at the table at the uh, AMI head office in studio, Brock Richardson. I'm Kelly McDonald. So before we bring on our next guest who was with us just minutes ago, I just wanted to mention the fact you were talking about September being like, you know, new feeling. And growing up, it was always for me, September after Labor Day, going back to school, it was always like, this was the new year. And I know like January is technically the new year, but for me, after Labor Day feels like the new year and it always has felt that way for me. So it's just part of, I don't know what it is, but. Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's just part of the way it is. Mm-hmm. Bringing on who is a fixture on this program every other week is Margaret Weldon for In the Know. Life's continuing changes can lead to a lot of questions. Join me, Margaret Weldon, to get your answers, and then you too will be in the know. Ensuring children's safety is everyone's responsibility, and there is so many factors we need to explore, especially this time of year as kids go back to school. Margaret is going to share with us some tips to keep our children safe going to and from school. Margaret, welcome back to the program. This is a wonderful topic we're going to explore over the next few minutes. Well, thank you very much. And it just seems to me that, I don't know, this past summer too, there seemed to be a lot of um, children who were hit by by different vehicles and, and, you know, killed in different types of accidents. And I find, especially in Toronto, and maybe this is me, where you hear more reports of kids getting hit when school starts back up again. And I think part of it is that drivers forget what it's like. Yes, for sure. I agree. I saw something recently about buses having some more, you know, uh, at least visual and audible noises of when they're going to slow down. And it's starting earlier than it used to before the uh, bus stop itself. But a good place to start here, Margaret, is what are some uh, ways that parents and guardians can really help the safety and to ensure that their children get to and from school exactly that safely. Okay, so the group we're talking about here are um, in Ontario. We have something called junior kindergarten. I know another, and I know across the uh, country we have kindergarten. Maybe they call it something different in each province, but this is junior kindergarten. So we're looking maybe at kids from maybe three to five years old who may have never been to school before, but you know, who live close enough to the school and they're walking to school for the first time. Now, hopefully they're going to get to go with a, you know, with a, with a grown up, but we'll talk about that in, in later uh, parts of the segment. But what parents can do is this, take them to the school, you know, take them on the route, show them the route that they're going to use when they walk to school, show them the playground and the entrances they'll go in and out of and make sure that they understand what's safe and what's not safe. And why? And, you know, if something goes wrong, make sure that they know what they need to do in in cases like that. One thing we need to keep in mind, and even though it might not be related to travel safety, is that children of this age bracket are going to have a lot of questions and they're going to have a lot of anxiety issues because this is going to be something new for them. So if they ask questions or if they express feelings of anxiety, give them permission to do that and maybe just ask them, so 
you know, what, what's making you feel so anxious or why are you so upset or whatever word they use so that you're reflecting their feelings and then you're answering their, your questions as best as you can. So that's uh, those are, are sa- some safety tips for very, very little, little kids. Yeah, and that's that makes so much sense, especially that, that just making sure and understanding. So what are some safety tips that children should keep in mind when it comes to walking to and from school market? I think about when I was... Five, six years old, going to kindergarten. And, you know, it was a very, very different time then. And I think about it now, like, oh, my goodness. I I, I literally was taught the way to and from to be able to go and walk home. Now, usually I was with a sibling because my one brother went to the school, uh, my older brother at the time I was. But I remember leaving with, with kids and going. And I remember going door to door for UNICEF into apartment buildings and knocking on people's doors, not having a clue what we were doing, but just a bunch of young little kids. Yeah. It was a different time, and I'm not suggesting for a moment a a better time, but what would you recommend for the kids for going back to and from? All right. So, no, this is a good point because I don't know how many kids walk to school anymore, but there are a few. So um, the first thing is try to walk in a group, right? Or at least have one other person with you because there's always safety in numbers. Quite often, if a child is on his or her own, you know, that's when things can happen. So this way there's, there's you know, it doesn't uh, make that chance disappear, but it does reduce that problem. And if kids are crossing the street, make sure to look both ways. And the littler kids that we just talked about, make sure that they're holding the hands of their sibling, you know, their older siblings or whoever it is that's taking them to school. Right. Um, and another thing that they should understand is that parents will never send a stranger to come and pick a child up from school. You know, so you might get that one that comes by and says, um, your, your mom or dad has been hurt and they're gone to the hospital. We don't know what's wrong, but they sent me to pick you up. Mm-hmm. Now, that person may look very nice, but do not go with that person. Right. You make sure. And this is something that parents can do um, is is one thing they can do is have a code word so that if somebody different is coming to pick them up, let's suppose that mom or dad were supposed to pick the child up. But then somebody else comes instead, like an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or something. And if they use the code word, word. Right. So let's suppose the code word is abracadabra. So if that person says abracadabra, that's the code word, then it's OK. You know, mom and dad didn't come and pick me up, but I know it's my grandparent or I know it's my neighbor or whatever. And I know it's OK to go with them. Right. But you also want to make sure the teacher is aware of the change so that, you know, if, if it is somebody picking them up, that's another thing. Make the teacher aware, too. Um, for And with that, I guess, comes protections of we unfortunately know there's family circumstances and sometimes families aren't all together uh some family members are not all appreciated accepted or uh would be trusted doing something like that so the changing of that word i guess and again apprising the teachers or whatever once in a while and certainly not making it something family widely known or neighbors known by the you know the best friend neighbor next door that's very very true that's very true now if if somebody um you know if a child is is being accosted by a stranger that child you know whether the child is in the group or not try to make as much noise you as you can and if the other children are are nearby witnessing get them to make you know they should make noise too to say okay somebody's in trouble and then if possible try to run to either the closest child's house so the child whose house might be closest to the school or a store or somewhere and just tell a grown up look I'm in trouble this is what it is and the grown up can take things from there 
there, like by calling the the police or or whatever. Um, I don't know if these still exist, and maybe you remember them, Kelly. They used to be called block parents, where they would put signs in the in the windows so you that bet. if a yep. kid got hurt or, or you know something happened, yeah, they, had they, had neighbors in the complex, yes. uh, in Byron in London. Uh, at the time that were yes, and and that's you know so they they would hide, uh, is they could go to those that kids uh, that person's house and know that it was safe to go there. If you're an older child who's going to be alone for like maybe an hour, and I'm talking you know maybe ten or eleven, make sure that the key to the house, if you're carrying a key to your house, is concealed so that nobody sees it, so that strangers know you know don't know that you're going home alone. Um, and and those are some of, and make sure of course to cross to look both ways before you cross the street. I think I covered that one. I think what bothers me in all this, and it goes a step further to what you have been talking about, is you hear situations about that word that you use. In this case, it was abracadabra. When Even when teachers work, you know, before and after school and someone new comes in and they start asking, you know, the questions of the parent or like the, the questions that are on file and you still get that pushback from parents. And I often think to myself, would you rather that I ask you those secret questions versus just letting your child go with some stranger somewhere? Like, this is where I get puzzled because parents and guardians also have to take some ownership and understanding. People taking care of your children also want to be sure that they're safe as well. So, uh, you know, there's that too, Margaret. And that's a very good point, Brock. Yeah, because a lot of parents, you know, say, well, why, why are you putting us through this? Why are you making us do all these extra things? And that's true. It's to keep a child safe. It's better to be safe than sorry. Absolutely. Uh, You alluded to this a little bit, but what can drivers do to make sure that pedestrians remain safe? Okay, this is a big one. Drivers need to have a care. They need to remember that uh, kids going back to school are going to mean more kids on the road, especially now that a lot of the schools are open. I don't know if there's going to be any home uh, schooling options this year because of the pandemic or not. I don't think there is. It seems like they're all going back. So drivers just need to slow down, have a care, look around, make sure that kids are, um, you know, not in the way of the car. Also, kids could even uh, wear something bright if possible, especially if they're out, you know, because the days get shorter. So if they're out in the in the dark at, you know, at, after school and the days are, are short, make sure that, that way the drivers can see them. But most of all, if a school bus is coming, drivers stop wait for the child to get on or off the bus and then go on yes it's going to take you an extra 30 seconds but that's what it is they're kids everyone seems to be in a rush now to go nowhere it's like where are you going and all it takes is getting up that extra five six minutes to ensure that you get there and these types of things would avoid tragic accidents i I think that should be the first question a cop asks when they pull you over when you're in a hurry and you're speeding you know where are you going well i'm going uh, uh, where's where's so important or as they used to say where where's the fire mags we were talking about the school bus Uh, what about some safety tips when it comes to taking the school bus that kids should keep in mind now, these are good ones, too. So what kids should do is, is make, make sure the bus comes to a full stop before getting on. Make sure to stay in your seats uh, and make sure not to put arms, legs, you know, or any part of your body outside the window. You know, some, some of these buses don't have air conditioned and some kids get fascinated with the fact that they can feel the breeze of the air on their faces or on their on their arms or whatever. Make sure not to do that because that's not safe. If something goes wrong on a bus, make sure to tell the driver. And uh, 
actually, I think that's all. Oh, and if you're, I'm going to just blend one in here. If you're older students and you're going to take public transit, make sure to walk on the crosswalks that are uh, appointed for each bus. If you're leaving a, bu- you know, from a bus terminal or bus station, if you're taking a train, make sure to stay behind the yellow line or behind the bumps on the tracks. Or um, also, if you're carrying backpacks and you know that there's a lot of buses or trains, take them off your back and carry them in your hand. Because what can often happen is, is and apparently this happens a lot if you walk by a, a, a train that's pulling out to get to your own train. Right. Sometimes a door shuts on the strap. Oh, right? oh, oh, oh. Yeah, and this is quite common apparently. And what then you get dragged by the bus or the train, right? So the best thing they say to do there is carry the backpack. If you see suspicious, uh, some, if you see something suspicious, or you know that somebody's in medical uh, stress on these uh, public vehicles, you can, you know, press the alarm button and let a crew member know. Or if that's not possible, if you're on a bus or a train, you can always contact nine one one, explain what the situation is, and they will alert. You know, they will find a way to get in touch with the train's crew. Um, if you drop something on the track, make sure to tell a crew member. Don't try to get it yourself. Because sometimes it falls through and sometimes the train's getting ready to pull out or whatever and may not know that you're there picking something up. So it just makes it safe all the way around. It takes two seconds for accidents to happen. And I never even thought of the uh, backpack strap being stuck in doors. And that's as simple as it can be really is how quickly these things can happen. And this topic seems sort of like an obvious topic, but it's one that we need to continue to discuss Margaret, and it's so great that you brought this to us today. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for spending the last two segments with us. Great stuff as always. Have a great rest of the show, guys, and enjoy your long weekend. Thank you. You as well. That was Margaret Weldon with another edition of In the Know. She was talking to us about safety going to and from school. Well, really wonderful. Really wonderful as we think about these things now. Some great advice from Margaret. Uh, An Edmonton uh, area organization wants to create an inclusive experience of Alberta waters. James Crisco, he joins us in just a moment to talk about it and fill us in right after this on his report on Kelly and Company. You know what I mean when I say a near miss, right? I mean, something close, Brock. Something that could have just or just narrowly missed you. A near miss. Yes. Yeah. Welcome back to the program, folks. Brock Richardson. That's that guy. I'm Kelly McDonald. What I'm talking about is a Jim Crisco sighting. A near miss. The guy was actually in this building. In this space recently. Let's bring him on board as he's here for his regional report with us. Jim Crisco out there uh, in Edmonton covering off things on his beat. James, uh, I was just telling Brock, man, a near miss. Almost got to visit with a Crisco, with an oil man. How many times (laughs) do you get to meet an oil man face to face? (laughs) It was so close, Kelly. So close. And you know what? I mean, a Jim Crisco sighting is a little bit like a Bigfoot sighting. I mean, that's right. 
they'll mention it, but then nobody believes them. They well, see it, and so. they even thought that was Brock. This didn't happen, but they thought he was at the World Juniors. They thought some people thought <laughs> because the arenas were so empty. There might be a Crisco up there in the corner. The lights weren't quite shining in the, but they thought that. Was there any thought, Mr. Any truth? Crisco, of going or truth? Well, you, you know, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of funny, Brock, because you know, this time of year, uh, although we, this Edmonton is, you know, a hockey town, just like Toronto and just like Calgary, but in the summer it's a real hard sell like it's hard to convince people no when it's kidding. beautiful outside to go in and watch hockey so it it did kind of go through my mind for a second and then then i thought no you know what i can see the highlights on TV. Uh, well you got a football <laughs> team that can't win and let's be honest james in the winter time it's a hard sell because oh, up the road we've got calgary that's a real hockey team oh Oh, Uh-oh. did you really just go there? Uh-oh. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Oilers, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Oilers management. But anyway, we've got other things to talk about. It's still the summer. Should we start in your dear Alberta and talk about an Edmonton organization uh, is really trying to in- create an inclusive experience in Alberta waters, with Alberta waters. James, explain. Yeah, this is such a great initiative, and and uh, what it is is there's a a, a local family here, uh, the Pollock family, who have for very many many years enjoyed, you know, all the water activities in Alberta, the the fishing and the water skiing and all everything else. So they found themselves on the water a lot, and they really wanted to share that with people. And so what they did was they they wanted to make an inclusive experience. Uh, for for folks who may not be able to easily get on the water otherwise, uh, so they created this. Uh, it's a it's a nonprofit society here or um, organization here in Alberta, uh, where they called Accessible Waters, where they wanted to 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 invite people uh, who may you know be wheel, wheel, wheelchair users or have mobility issues etc. Uh, to be able to come on the water with them and enjoy. So what they did was they took um, uh, uh, one of their boats and they made it completely wheel- wheelchair accessible. And, uh, and so, you know, they, they, they've are able to give tours. They are able to get people on the water. Uh, right now they've done a lot on the North Saskatchewan river, which is the river that runs through, uh, Edmonton, um, taking people out there, uh, a to enjoy the water and B to give them a vantage point that they, you know, you don't normally get here. We drive over the river a lot. We don't get, get a chance to be on the river that much. So, uh, so it's just a, you know, a really, really wonderful, uh, project that they have and they want to expand it to more places in Alberta and they want to expand it to more, uh, you know, not just going on the water, but maybe fishing or, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoying the water that way, being more interactive with it. We've talked about that vernacular, the, the river Valley there and the, the importance of that area. And Jim, I often wonder, um. What I mean, we know there's TV shows done out that way. What ambassadors get people to understand Alberta is so rich in uh, land like that, in really unique places like the River Valley and stuff like that? I don't think that's what people think right off the bat, is it? And and reminding them, hey, man, you think BC's got something? We've got it too. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? I think it's a it's a prairie problem, Kelly. It, it's where uh, you know Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba are blessed with beautiful lakes and rivers and such, but it's not what we're known for. You know, we, we you know, in Alberta, certainly we're known for the Rockies on one side of the, of the province and such, but really we've got beautiful bodies of water to explore. If you're able to, uh, to, to get out there and get on them. And 
you know, same with, with Saskatchewan, beautiful lakes uh, and rivers. So it, you're right, Kelly, it's a little bit of, of marketing. We don't necessarily promote it, but it's here and the locals know uh, it's just a matter of sharing it with others. Yeah. I mean, the most I used to hear as a kid was, hey, Alberta doesn't have any rats. But I heard the rat <laughs> patrol is long since gone. So uh, that, that ship has sailed too. <laughs> Love it. Always good. Over to Manitoba, where the province has committed to spending over a million dollars on on a provincial park. How will this impact accessibility particularly? Well, uh, Brock, what they're doing is uh, they've committed or they've announced a $1.1 million uh, improvement fund for provincial parks. And they've, they've invested a lot of it, it appears, into accessibility, which is just just wonderful. Uh, it's through the Provincial Parks Endowment Fund. And uh, they're going to support 64 improvement in, uh, uh, projects across Manitoba, uh, including accessibility at Birds Hill uh, Park. It's an, uh, with an accessible path to the washrooms uh, and at the West Beach and paving uh, of the Burr Oak parking lot. So making that more accessible in White Shell. They have eight new accessible campsites. Uh, will be built along with upgrades to the 17 existing accessible campsites. So they're improving and expanding. Uh, they have 10 new accessible button door openers that will be installed on public buildings, uh, such as camp offices, washrooms, and shower facilities. Uh, three accessible campsites will also be added to Grand Beach. So these are just some of the uh, initiatives from this fund that will see the either improvement or expansion of accessibility uh, in these parks, which is fantastic because once again, um, you know, in the, on the prairies, we love getting out to these parks in the summer and enjoying them. It, it always seems so, you know, simple to talk about accessibility, but it's putting those plans into action and saying, this is what we're going to do. And I liked you were talking about, you know, making pathways more accessible to bathrooms. Those are the things where we sort of take those for granted, Jim, where it's like, okay, well, you know, how do they get to the bathroom? Well, I don't know. And so by putting, you know, accessible pathways to just a necessity is something really good. So really glad to see that they're putting a focus on accessibility in parks because sometimes those are the things that get all too forgotten in today's world. Absolutely. And, and Brock, you, you have to think that some of these parks, like I'm not sure about the provincial parks, but certainly even our national parks, some of them are 100 years old. Mm -hmm. And they were created at a time when there was, they didn't think at all about accessibility. And now as they are improving and, and you know, trying to improve the infrastructure, they can think about accessibility and they can put stuff in, even to parks that have been around a long time and improve their usage and improve the accessibility, you know, the, the ability of people to enjoy them. So uh, it's great to see that they, you know, it seems to be front of mind and let's keep it that way. Yeah, sounds so wonderful. And finally, a young man from Manitoba who might be familiar to the AMI audio and TV audience just had an opportunity to work with Stevie Wonder's music producer. Uh, Jim, how did this happen? Well, this is, uh, I feel very close to this story because it's Brett Devlu. And if uh, we, once back in the day when I was still a videographer, we went out and interviewed him. Um, he's from just outside of, of Winnipeg, uh, Stonewall, actually Manitoba. And he was a young man. He was about uh, maybe 15 or 16 at the time. He was blind. He was posting these faceboard 
or a face person, these, these, uh, skateboard videos on Facebook and on the, on online, um, of him skateboarding. And it became, he became kind of a sensation that way. He created his own clothing line called the blind kid, uh, skateboard apparel. And, um, and he, then he went off to Vancouver to go to university and he became a musician and a singer. So he released a song recently and, uh, it ended up getting shared by a number of people, including uh, a smartwatch company that he has been, uh, involved with. And it got to Stevie wonder who heard it and loved it. And Stevie Wonder's music producer called Brett and said, would you like to work on on something with Stevie Wonder? And quite obviously, Brett said yes, <laughs> of course, and has worked on some music uh, with, with Stevie Wonder's producer. He hasn't met Stevie Wonder yet, but I'm sure he will shortly. Um, and uh, Stevie Wonder had a, had a great quote about it. I haven't heard the song yet, but uh, I, I, I'm wanting to, to hear it. But um, Stevie Wonder said about the song, he says that you write like you can see, and he wanted mm. to do a project with you. So what an, what a great quote from Stevie Wonder, and you know, really a legend. Who who else would you like to be sort of recognized by and discovered by than Stevie Wonder? So a great job for Brett. Brett is a super super nice guy. Uh, you know, I met him when he was very young, and he, at the time even he was so mature. Uh, such a, a a great you know, person and a great interview, and and uh, uh, I'm just cheering for him on the sidelines here. Did you uh, drop him a line yet? <laughs> yeah, not yet. Uh, you know, when he gets when he gets really big and he moves to oh, to, that's to LA when you'll bother yeah. him and stuff, and it won't be the exactly. cover of story, but it'll be. So, do you guys have a guest house or anything yet? Have you purchased <laughs> that? I'd like to help you pick one out, a property with one. That is really amazing for him, and to be caught up in Stevie Wonder's net, and I I, I mean in the sense of guidance, support, and people who you really might be able to point Brett in that right direction. Absolutely tremendous. James, uh, excellent stuff. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Have a great week, guys. The near miss, uh, James Crisco. Yeah, you might see him somewhere. Oh, maybe not. But just remember, just blink, blink twice just to see if he's for real. Uh, Joins us. We talk to our regional content specialist on Wednesdays and uh, Fridays here on Kelly and Company. In the next hour, Alicia Yardley from AMI's Human Resources Development Department joins us to talk about employment. Let's talk a little bit more about barbecues and picnics before summer runs out. Uh, We'll get to primping and ideas with independent living skills specialist Leanne Barda. Up next, Bill's here too. He's in the building. Not a near miss. Sorry, Brock, about your luck. He's here for the buzz in just a moment. Because as a blind child, I was always told, oh, you have to be careful. Don't worry about <laughs> you're going to hit this. To be able to do judo with sighted people, to be able to hold my own with them and be allowed to throw them and be allowed to choke them and for them to see that I'm not so fragile, they can choke me too, they can throw me too, and I'm not going to break. That was very satisfying, just being allowed to participate in something rough. Kelly and Company, sharing your stories.
Thanks for being with us for the second hour of Kelly and Company. Wherever you're listening in around the world, we appreciate you being with us. Maybe you're listening in through TuneIn Radio or OO Tunes, awesome apps in which to check us out. If you're at your uh, computer, maybe you're over at ami.ca checking out the program as well as seeing what's on the website. You can stream us right from there. Or you can check out the Kelly and Company podcast. Get that experience, folks. Maybe you want to do some binge listening. You can do it with the segments. You can do it also with the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience where we toss on an audio vanity card. That guy over there, Brock Richardson. And I can't even say in Kitchener because he's right across the table here in the Toronto uh, office with me today as we are broadcasting from main campus in Toronto. But uh, Brock provided today's uh, vanity card for us on the program. Brock, uh you all right over there? It's a little warm in this studio. It is. It is a little warm, but I was saying that it is about the same temperature as my office. So this is not abnormal for me. Okay. Well, we won't. Is, you you won't be whining about it. Yeah, which is pretty uh, gross. Bill Shackleton, however, he can't stand any of that either. Heat either could Margaret earlier. She was happy to just bound out of uh, out of the other studio over there. Shaq, how are you? Doing good, doing good. Where are we starting today, sir? And welcome back to main campus. Did you uh, get enough pizza earlier at the meeting? I had enough. It's good to be back and, uh, and you know, renew acquaintances and this sort of thing, right? We had Andy on the program yep. yesterday talking about this tremendous lineup. AMI-audio has a foot starting tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Do check it out. Uh, remember, that will be happening uh, starting 8 o'clock in the morning. And a really nice lineup, seven days a week, great content. Where are we starting out today as we get back to business with the buzz, Bill? We're going to start with this one. Gene Z millennials speak out on reflections of of to have kids. Now, Jordan Davidson um, interviewed over 300 um, prospective parents, women and, and men, and they talked about basically the reluctant that they were reluctant not to bring uh, little ones into the world and some of the there was a lot of comedy nominators about this but some of them were student loans covid climate change and this sort of thing and it was the you know the food uh, high food prices and some of these some women had their fallovian tubes actually sealed and it's, I, I sort of get, and we all do. And the other thing that came across is that what what's life going to be for their little ones in in five or ten or fifteen years? And it's the question that I have is: Are things going to get any better? I mean, and I, I get all these concerns that that these people have, but I, I just question. I mean, remember, your biological clock is ticking. And are you going to regret at some point not having, bringing little ones into the world? I mean, we all appreciate their concerns, but I just wonder how how much is is how many of this is going to come back uh, basically backfire. Well, and 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 Brock, I'll let you let you in here. I just I, I mean, and it's to me um, such a hard thing when you think about. What people may or may not regret, what we may wish we could undo or or take back in future, you know, because I remember as a kid always being told about almost everything, especially anything I wanted to, well, I don't want to take piano anymore. Well, you might regret that later. And there are big things like, you know, having children or or, or um, that, that you may decide, oh, geez, I, I may have made a mistake. And, and I, we can only say so much about science and what doctors can do, Brock. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's true. And honestly, this is a conversation that I've had with my wife about like, are we having kids? And I remember my dad having this conversation with us as teenagers and saying, like, I wouldn't want to bring kids into this world then, you know? And, and I mean, I've not been a teenager for a while now. And so it is a serious question. But as Bill pointed out, is it something you're going to regret? And that, in and of itself, is a conversation on top of everything else. Well, it's, we're very lucky to be able to. And it, it is a serious business, right? Some people, unfortunately, do not take um, having children serious. Um, and that, that, you know, what your dad said, you know, I know that's something parents and that was- will say, right? You know, they'll, they'll say to children, you, you know, be sure you are ready to look after, take care, because... The world has a lot going on in it, and I, I, I'm sure parents have said this, you know, for centuries. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, this was a conversation a long time ago that we had, and, and now it's only gotten worse, and so that becomes scary as well. I think one of the interesting things that came out of this that, that, that I just thought of is there, there's so many parents that, that, that are irresponsible and they're bringing little ones into the world without really taking into, uh, considering what is you know what all the ramifications are. How are you going to look after it? How are you going to you know how are you going to bring it up? And now, with with the, all these the covids and the uh, the climate changes, it might you know people might think more and should think more about do I really want to do this? Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. And it's it's a conversation that can't just happen overnight. It has to happen over a long period of time because once you have the child, there's no take back. That's yeah. There's no like my father joked when I moved out. There's no return policy, but there is a little bit of truth. Once you have a child, there is absolutely no return policy. It's not like you have a 30 day trial and say I, I don't want this anymore. That's like, what you'd almost think your father was up to with the remark. Why would you want to bring children into this world? Look, well, look at I'm saying it from experience. Why? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Um. Yeah, I don't. I. I think. My, you know, if if I was a parent, and my parenting days are long over, but I would definitely. You know, I. I would. I would love to bring a, a, a kid, one or two, into the world. I mean, I would say, well, come what may, if if whatever happens is going to happen, right? That's that's the way I would look at it. And if it's meant to be, it's yeah, meant to that's, be. Yeah. And Bill's going to lead them, the legacy of the buzz. Yeah. The, well. I expect you to pick up and do this buzz segment. You guys got to learn. Mm. No, ne- no negative stuff on Fridays. Ne- uh, next one. Next one. Interesting. Um, Star Trek actress, actress Michelle Nichols ashes headed for solar orbit. Um, so this is coming from Reuters. So you uh, you know Michelle Nichols as... Uh, Lieutenant Uhura on the original Star Trek, and I must say, I prefer the the original much, uh, you know, much over over the what is it, the second generation or was that what they called the? Oh, there's tons of yeah, of, I, I of, guess you there know, is prequels and t- yeah. well, it, um, is that will you rewatch them or you kind of if you're given that preference, you just that's what you like. Oh, I watch them. Yeah, you you still watch them? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, they they're calling it sort of a cosmic immortality. And a Texas company is is building a rocket, and what it is going to be, there are 
a whole bunch of files and DNA samples of space enthusiasts who want to you know, be immortalized in that way. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, so Michelle is, you know, we know her as Lieutenant Uhura, of course, but what you may not know is that she was very active in the civil rights movement and she pioneered, um, you know, paved the way for black, for, uh, uh, you know, black, black actors, actors mm-hmm. to on TV. And yeah. also she paved the way for the first woman astronaut, Sally Ride. So she was really instrumental in, you know, promoting, you know, black astronauts and black actors and actresses and this sort of thing. And I, you know, I, I guess if you can afford to do this, actually, um, uh, another uh, Michelle, whoever, whoever played Christine Chapel, um, is going to be in there too. Wow. And I, I forgot wow. her name, Otten Wright, or I forgot her name right at hand. So um, uh, will they actually be deposited in space? Yeah, they will be. Mm-hmm. On an upcoming mission. Yeah. Uh, sometime the rocket hasn't been built yet, but it's going to be. Yeah, it's it's incredible when we see gestures like this, and and again, I, I you know I'm, I I I I'll take it for what what it is instead of the people out there saying what you can't be putting things out in space like that. We can't be you know it's not as if we don't have enough satellites that are decaying and dying out there themselves, and the space junk that's there. This is so touching, and it overwhelms anything you could say uh, about that. And, and the movement alone that so many people don't understand the navigating to get onto a national TV show uh, in the mid-60s for a person of color, real difficult, man. And, you know, the show had actors on there uh, from different... Because it was it was to be reflecting the future when there was a better time where certain discriminations were not there. So uh, that's incredible. Uh, yes, um... Do we do a third? Yeah, let's one? let's fit let's Let, fit the last one. Fit, you got a minute? Yeah, we got to talk about um, underground Ukrainian theater. Ukrainian actors return to stage in bomb shelter. An interesting article, and you know the arts is very popular. And in Ukraine, a theater company who who once had a once had a large venue is performing in a bomb shelter. And the idea is that it's just to relieve the strain of so many people in the Ukraine um, is are tired of the bombing and the war. And, you know, these actors are performing. um, They're they're, a lot of them were a lot of the men went to war. And so they've had to sort of make up um, the, the Mikolov Theater Company, as it's called. And I think it's just a way of. You know, we're 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 standing. We're we're uh, you know going to do our thing regardless. And I like it. It's a bomb shelter because at least they're going to be safe. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, thanks so much. Great topics as always. And you'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Buzz with Bill. Thanks so much. Thanks. Coming up in just a moment on the program, Alicia Yardley joins us. We're going to have our employment chat right here on Kelly and Company.
Welcome back to the program. Brock Richardson, he's here with me. We are actually in Toronto at AMI headquarters. Thank you for uh, hanging out wherever you are listening into the program. And we'd just like to remind you folks, a programming note, today was the last day to hear uh, Now with Dave Brown right here on AMI-audio. The show moves to television. You can catch it at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. It is a TV-only product as well as available to you as a podcast. So you can check now with Dave Brown out on AMI-tv or, of course, those folks would love you to subscribe to it as a podcast. As mentioned, Kelly McDonald, Brock Richardson, we are here and it's time to get into, as we do on the 4th, Wednesday of the month, we're joined by uh, Alicia Yardley from our uh, AMI Human Resources Development uh, Department. We're going to talk a little bit about mental health today. Hi, I'm Alicia Yardley, your HR specialist. Join me once a month for career and employment advice right here on Kelly and Company. Alicia, always wonderful to have you on board with Brock and I today. How are you? I'm doing great. If I knew you folks were in Toronto, I would have come into the office. Well, it would have been great having you in. It's uh, been a, an interesting day. as uh, lots of stuff happening, which as, as time goes on, uh, we'll be able to share a little bit more uh, with the audience. So you know what that means today. Lots of meetings, lots of uh, understanding stuff down the pipe. And uh, thank you. Nice to hear you. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Um, hope everybody's having a great week. It's uh, finally stopped raining, so uh, I'm very happy with that. <laughs> yeah, humidity. I think we finally broke it today, at least for, for a little bit. Alicia, when we talk about mental health, what is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So mental health, um, you know, we, we think about health as, you know, the absence of illness, really. And, and so being healthy, it means, you know, you don't have... Um, a lot of, you know, underlying illnesses or disease. Um, Mental health, it refers to, you know, cognitive, emotional well-being. It's how people think. It's how they feel. It's how they behave. um, It's how they interact with people. Um, And so when we think about mental health, it's, it's really thinking about, like, how do I feel? How do I interact with the world around me? How do I behave? How do I feel about myself? Um, And, you know, mental health is one of those topics that is becoming more and more into the forefront, um, especially when we think about it in the workplace. Um, Because, you know, previously, we always thought about health as a physical thing and and now it is really important to have that mental health associated with it as well. We spend a lot of time in the workplace, a lot of time navigating, a lot of time socializing or really going through sometimes some of our hardest moments of the week. Um, So I think that definitely it, it needs to be out there. It needs to be spoken about and very much related back to the workplace. Absolutely, because I think, you know, mental health affects, as we know, how we do our job, it impacts how we perform, um, it impacts how we might interact with others, um, you know, and, and one of the things we don't really talk about a lot is that there is a high cost associated with poor mental health in the workplace. So, um, you know, a recent study said that about 30% of Canadians, or sorry, 30% of like long-term or short-term disability uh, leaves in workplaces are due to mental health. So stress leave perhaps or depression-related leave. And so there is a cost associated with that in terms of, you know, 
absenteeism, turnover. And so having a really psychologically healthy and safe workplace helps the employee to perform better. It helps them to, you know, feel better about themselves, that they're really contributing. Um, and then it reduces the risk of somebody going off on, you know, perhaps stress leave or, you know, needing to take that break. Um, of course, things come up where you might have to, but, um, you know, in the workplace, it is really important for us to keep all of that in mind. What do we need to do to accommodate mental health issues specifically in the workplace? So a lot of workplaces have really great supports for mental health. So, um, uh, at AMI, we have uh, benefit coverage for psychotherapy, psychology. Um, so if you want to see a therapist to discuss mental health issues, um, then, of course, you know, we have supports for that. We also have what's called an EAP um, that's called uh, that stands for Employee Assistance Program. And a lot of organizations have them. Um, and it's a confidential service where you call this you know, group of people um, and you can talk to them about what you might be struggling with and then they will refer you to specialists um, that can help. Um, and it is like 100% confidential. Nobody in the workplace knows about it. Um, you know, HR might just know how many people are using it, but we don't know who and we don't know what it's about. And so um, those are some really great supports. And then, of course, we have accommodation measures um, as well. That's great. Um, and I guess it's it's knowing when with all that, how to support, but also where we as individuals can zero on what we most kind of need that help. And in any circumstance, something going on, um, there's stuff that an HR department can offer up. So let's look at, as an example, something that comes up. Uh, how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected people's mental health in the workplace? Oh, I mean, and there have been so many workshops about this. Um, I think, you know, with COVID-19, uh, like I was saying in my culture segment last month, um, the COVID-19 pandemic really made people very isolated from one another. Um, so, you know, we know that there were for a lot of people higher rates of depression and anxiety um, because you're living through uncertain times. You're not really allowed to or not allowed, but it's safer to kind of stay in very small groups. And so there has been a real burst in, um, you know, EAP usage. Um, there's a real boost in, in, you know, throughout the Canadian market of, um, you know, people increasing their psychology, um, you know, benefit usage. I think that, you know, COVID-19 for years to come, we're going to be seeing the impact of people's mental health. Um, and that's where, as a workplace, we have to be very supportive. We have to understand that, um, you know, mental health is a disability. And so, you know, when somebody comes and says that they need, you know, accommodation, it's important to listen to that and to, you know, give whatever accommodations are required. Um, and it's really important to have conversations with the employee about, you know, how they're feeling, have those check-ins. Um, you know, at AMI, we did a lot of that during the pandemic, and I think that was a really good thing. Um, you know, but in a lot of workplaces, people are really struggling with that. And it's how do we, you know, keep that strong culture, 
um, while making employees feel supported while they're, you know, all working alone. Um, so I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of recovery as we come out of this pandemic, hopefully, you know, not going back into it in the fall. But uh, yeah, I think there will be a lot of discussion in the years to come about how we can better support people's mental health, um, especially surrounding the aftermath of COVID-19. I think that's the first step in everything is acknowledging, as you said, that mental health is a disability because there is a certain generation that some might say, oh, you know, just put on your big, big person pants and go to work and just suck it up and deal with it. And I think it goes further than that. You can't just say that. Words are easy to come out of our mouths. And we've learned that, I, I think, through the pandemic. But I think it's it's understanding what people are going through and understanding that it is important to acknowledge that mental health does exist as a disability. 100 um, percent. And it's really important that, um, you know, people do feel that they're comfortable to speak up about mental health. It is a disability, um, you know, and, and it really is has an impact. And and as you were saying, Brock, you know, you can't just say to somebody, um, you know, put on your big boy or girl pants and deal with it. And, um, you know, I mean, if uh, like I have, um, you know, friends who have chronic, you know, medical conditions, maybe diabetes, you know, I would never think to say to that person, well, you know, have you thought about, well, maybe you don't need your insulin or maybe it's all in your head or whatever, like, you know, well, you can deal with diabetes, it's fine. Um, But somehow with mental health, there does seem to be a little bit of that stigma that's still there. Um, And I'm really hoping that we can kind of get by that because, you know, there's, there's, it's, you know, brain chemistry, it's nurture, it's, um, you know, it, it, like there's so much we need to understand about mental health. And, and so that it's not just, you know, somebody's just being sad because they want to be. It's oh, there's yeah. you know a lot more to it than my that. lotto ticket didn't come in. It's far more than, you know, these things that impact us. And I think, Alicia, where I see we have our issues with society and saying, oh, well, you know, like you, like you both have said about, oh, we'll just suck it up and move on or whatever. But sometimes the biggest problem is within ourselves. It's not so much just what we cast upon others and saying those things. It's how we, I can't feel this way. This guy, I shouldn't be. I have no reason and not wanting to accept. And that is the the, the biggest problem that many of us have, I shouldn't feel this way. Why do yeah. I, instead of understanding, well, maybe you need to find out why do you? Absolutely. I think there is a lot of judgment. Um, you know, I will myself um, say, you know, I, I can be very judgmental of different emotions that I'm feeling. And and I think that for any of us, it's, it's um, you know, acknowledging that, you know, this is how I feel today. I might not feel this way tomorrow. I might, but let me just be kind to myself today. Um, that's all I have to do. And sometimes it's really breaking it down that much. And that's easier said than done, of course. And we all have that I should or I shouldn't. Um, but to at least just, I find in acknowledging that the emotion is there or the feeling is there, it does help one to deal with it a little bit better and to address it in a constructive way. And until such time that you as the individual walk through different situations, it's hard for us to acknowledge what it is that we're going through as the outsider looking in on someone else's life. And it's very easy. And it's kind of been a continual trend 
this week about talking about we can't put on other people's shoes until we live in that situation. And I think this is key to that as well. Alicia, where would I go as a person in a workplace if I needed some assistance in regard or support in regards to my mental health? Yeah, that's um, so if you're feeling like you need that support, uh, the first step would probably be to, um, you know, talk to your manager. If if you have that good relationship, um, the HR department will have really great resources. They can refer you to an EAP if maybe you need one or they might provide, you know, information about benefits that are available to help with mental health. Um, I think you know, those are those are really the, the two key areas you should look at. Um, you should also obviously look through your benefit booklet just to make sure that, uh, you know, mental health support is covered. But a lot of organizations do have employee assistance programs that they have some kind of support, be it through a health spending account, be it through, you know, specialized benefits for mental health. Um, and then talking to people. And, and I think, too, um, you know, it, making sure that you're keeping those connections in the workplace, um, you know, and, and enjoying your personal relationships with people that you work with. And so, you know, if you are struggling to be able to reach out to somebody and say, you know, you don't have to be completely open about, you know, exactly what's going on, but just, you know, hey, I just wanted to touch base, wanted to connect, you know, feeling a bit isolated or, you know, just having those connections. I think those are really important tools when dealing with mental health in the workplace. I think so. I know so. And it's that matter of uh, accepting for yourself and not feeling ashamed. And But also it is our private business, our uh, just as much as our, our physical health and anything else or finances. So you do, you are able, but if you need support, People want to be there. People, uh, and and at the end of the day, Alicia, you know, you just ask for it as much as you can, and try not to let yourself get uh, sidetracked worrying about what people think or what you even think. Sometimes, uh, the most important is is making yourself feel better because we all deserve that. Exactly, we all do. We we are all worthy. We all deserve to be happy and have great lives. Um, and you know, I think it is really important to be talking about you know the supports that are out there. You of bet. course, you know you don't have to disclose, but if you do, um, you know it's important to get that support. Alicia, thank you very much. You'll be back next month, fourth Wednesday of the month of Chat Employment. We'll step aside for just a moment, and we're going to squeeze a little more picnic and barbecue discussion before summer runs out. Leanna Barda next. Yeah, I know. There's been lots of traffic, folks. We've been busy, busy, busy here today. On your Wednesday, right here on Kelly and Company, Brock Richardson with me, Kelly McDonald, host of the program today, and glad you out there, wherever you're listening in around the world, can uh, join us for the program. Thanks a lot. Remember, you can listen right from your computer at AMI.ca, mainstream of the program, right there from AMI-audio. Okay, Brock, well, as we settle in here, still a little more business to handle on a Wednesday. Indeed, there's always business to handle on Kelly and Company. It's time for Independent Living with Leanne Barda. I'm Leanne Barda. 
I'm an independent living skills specialist, and if you have questions about independent living, join me on Kelly & Company for all our tips and tricks. Leanne, you have kind of hacked, like, all of my favorite things in one topic. That's <laughs> picnic, barbecue, and gathering prep. We got lots to cover today, don't we? We certainly do. So, you know, with all, you know, all the things that we can possibly do now and with hardly any restrictions, it's time to get back to life and uh, do it with, of course, some safety precautions in place. Um, but, you know, we have just a short amount of window in Canada to enjoy whatever left of summer. So let's get out there and then figure out what we should do for our picnics, our patios and our outdoor barbecues again. With organizing gatherings these days, there are several factors to consider. <clears throat> let's start with location options, if we would. Of course. So given our where we are, we have so many options. We have parks, we have conservation areas, we have ravines, we have uh, backyards and patios. We have so many options. But uh, some of the parks and uh, conservation areas actually have picnic pavilions that you can rent from the city and you have to pick up a barbecue permit so you can make your gathering a little bit more exciting and have less equipment to lug with you when you go to these places. So having a plan in place will sort of help you uh, be able to plan for inclement weather. So if it's raining or windy, at least you've got some cover with the, uh, the pavilion. So here's a couple of things to do to consider. So having a plan, of course, is paramount because mm. there's so much stuff that goes into it, right? So um, the first thing you want to consider is who you want to invite and if the space is accessible for all those who are attending, if they have additional needs that we just don't want to add barriers to people's lives. So if uh, everyone's able to get there safely with like uh, even pathways and, you know, um, it make that it's wheelchair accessible then that is already, you know, a step ahead and allowing people to enjoy it to the most of their ability. So the next thing, um, some places you need to call ahead and book the space. So now, thankfully, there's a lot of things you can book online. And uh, you can, I think you can also get your barbecue permit there. So, right. you know, you want to kind of get in on that before probably at least a week or two, if not more, if you know, let's say your gathering is going to be at the end of the month, I would probably do it now just to make sure that the space isn't booked up for parties and other things. So you don't want to be uh, out of luck. Well, especially post-pandemic, everything is so backed up. So you don't want to assume anything. And everybody wants to get out to do something. So these, these spaces uh, are wonderful. And I, I love it when it comes to the pavilions because if something happens, if it's rainy, I mean, you'd have to have quite a monsoon and high winds to make you say, you know what, we can't, we can't do this. Uh, let's talk about having that plan in place. Right. So the next thing you want to do is like, how do you want to deal with the food? So do you want to have a potluck? Do you want everybody to bring their own stuff? Um, do you want everybody to contribute a little bit of money to pick, to pick up food before you get there? Um, you know, just little things like that can sort of take a lot of the stress out of the day. So, uh, the next thing you can do is you want to sort of think about um, sort of additional activities you can do during the day. During the day, so are there games, are there sports equipment uh, that is accessible for everybody attending? Are you going to play beat baseball? Are you going to play, you know, soccer with? So you have the bell, the bell soccer ball. Do you have a braille deck of cards? You know, just things like that. So you want to have everything with you so that when you get there, um, everyone can have a good time. So. 
my favorite thing that I've ever picked up is at uh, Costco. It's this, this foldable wagon. And uh, <clears throat> it's heavy enough that I can put two of my children in it and drag them. So <laughs> it's uh, probably good enough to bring all the stuff you need to do for, for a picnic. So uh, <clears throat> if you don't want to do the wagon thing, you can do um, – <clears throat> sorry about that – one of those uh, granny carts. So Or you can get multiple people to bring uh, – <clears throat> granny cards. Sorry, I've got something dry in my throat here. That's coffee dryness. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. It just yeah. grabs you. Um, yeah. Leanne, my question too, why, why, just while you're mm-hmm. sorting out the, the, the throat there, I, is, the, is there such a thing as having too many of the helpers, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth when it comes to this stuff in the way of things getting left? It always seems you get to an event like this mm-hmm. and somebody mm-hmm. says, yeah, where's the ketchup? Oh, right. That yeah. Brock was Brock. Did you know? I thought <laughs> Leanne had that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and and it's best to, I mean, have those those people who are making your call, whether it's one. Per, mm-hmm. But is there is if you found it's too many people sometimes? Yeah, so maybe having one designated person who is sort of doing looking after everything overall. So maybe having a, an accessible Google Doc where everybody says, "Okay, I'm bringing this." And I've got it covered. Or people just going into the Google Doc and saying, yep, this is what I'm bringing. Or they'll add whatever they need to add so that makes every, the main person can know that everything is uh, is going to be brought to the to the site. Great. Okay. Even just like a working like a working document so that people can, as you mentioned, <clears throat> go in and just have a look. Because when you mm-hmm. bring so many things and so many people, as we all know, it can just get so chaotic very, very quickly in a situation like that. Well, and who's and bringing talk- the stuff, right? Like that's yeah, always exactly. the thing because most people, like, especially what we're talking about, who's how many drivers? Yeah, and people if they're mm-hmm. at, if they're mm-hmm. taking transit, walking in, you know, you'd like to yep. cut down on how much you ask of them too. Exactly. So maybe you know whatever people can carry in their backpacks, right. you know, for the people who who can. And everyone else, let's say someone is coming uh, in a vehicle, then, you know, stuff that vehicle <laughs> as much as you can before That's you right. before you before you get there. Uh, so make friends with people with vans. Then you got Leanne carting the music equipment. Right. Exactly. So, uh, you know, nowadays we're lucky we have like little tiny Bluetooth speakers that are extremely powerful. So we don't need to have that, these giant uh, boom boxes anymore. So now we can have, you know. A DJ in our pockets with our our phones, our tablets, and our Bluetooth speakers. So that's uh, you know, make sure you of course have uh, one of those extra chargers, you know, those little battery battery packs in case uh, your phone dies. So at least you've got something as a backup. Okay, and anything else yeah. in our supplies? Speaking of packs, ice and things like that. Yep, um, extra ice packs, coolers, picnic blankets. Uh, maybe consider bringing some extra uh, plastic uh, Tupperware kind of things to uh, bring home leftovers. Right. Ooh. Yep. Uh, then, of course, you know, determining what time of day you want to hold it. So what lighting conditions are most comfortable for people to navigate in? Because in the bright sun, a lot of people have a lot of problems with the glare and uh, the bright lights. So maybe, you know, yes. early evening might be a good shot. Yeah, it's and always... Of course, uh... Always yeah, go good to plan those things, especially when you have uh, challenges with vision. You want to make sure that you really cover off all your bases because that sun and even some lighting can really get into your eyes really quickly. So. 
Right. And then, of course, you know, you want to consider foods that will stand up well to being transported. And, of course, that will not be, you know, weep with uh, hot temperatures. So because food poisoning is no fun. <laughs> and that's the last thing you don't, you don't want to re- re- regret when uh, you're going to something fun. Absolutely. Yeah. So you kind of want to opt for foods that are easy to eat, that require little to no utensils, things that isn't messy. So maybe things like fried chicken or burritos or cookies or different kinds of sandwiches, things that are just really easy and not too much stress. Um, okay. If you want to get if you want to get fancy, you could do like a charcuterie board with like meats and cheeses and olives and pickles and crackers or bruschettas and dips with cut vegetables. And then everything mm-hmm. can be assembled when you get there. Mm. Love it. Can we discuss uh, packing for your picnic? You've got some really cool stuff under this list. Yeah. So you want to cover all of your food tightly. So whenever you're outside, you're going to run into bugs and you don't want your stuff spilling out of the cooler. So you want to have tightly sealed reusable containers to keep the bugs and and your food in. You want to have uh, flatware, plates and bowls. Uh, If you want simplicity, uh, maybe go with the eco-friendly disposable option that you can throw away when you're done. Uh, I've now seen like uh, bamboo utensils and uh, bamboo uh, disposable plates and bowls now, which is kind of cool. Um, then I've even seen like different options, things made of sugar cane. So it's really cool that you have all these options now. And of course, we've got our cart with us. Um, don't forget your paper, uh, your napkins and paper towels, because you just never know. And, you know, with kids, you always want to have... Uh, those handy wipes. So if you get sticky or if something, you know, somebody gets a stain on them, the little wipes are, are great for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm uh, kind of curious about the drinks in that. You know, you got those to control depending on people's likes and stuff. You, you've you got to be very careful with those when they're open because especially the sugary ones with the uh, bees oh, and yeah. so on. Um, and, and also is there, especially those who want to maybe have a, a, a drink that, has a little alcohol. We know enough. You're using these public parks, the pavilions. Mm-hmm. Can't be bringing that stuff. No. So make sure you know what the rules are before you go, and uh, you know just be mindful. I know now that I've seen these clever uh, silicone covers you can use to put over things so that uh, bugs can't get in them. Uh, I've seen little things where you could actually. It almost looks like a little plastic thing that fits into the the hole of the of the pop can, so that. Uh, it almost sort of like reseals it. So you have uh, different options there. Nice. Yeah, that's really good because that is the biggest thing I know I've run into and been really kind of uncomfortable with and stuff like that. Uh, okay. Want to carry on with other things to handle things, you know, packing our basket, the ice on the bottom, those kinds of little oh, things. Yes. What do we do with there? Yeah. So when you're packing, packing your basket, put it in order of the things you need to take out first. So all non-perishable food on the bottom uh, any flatware and plates on the top, uh, and place a blanket and tablecloth on the very tablecloth rather, um, and blanket on the very top so you can pull it out first. So you can put it, you can lay it out on the ground as soon as you get there. Uh, you want to lay uh, any fragile items, uh, sort of wrapping them up in something so that they don't get uh, broken in transport. Um, if you do have access to a, a vehicle when you're coming, you know one of those plastic totes might be a, a good idea, or bringing having like a small cardboard box with handles. Um, of course, you want you want to have that ice or um, ice packs inside of your 
in the bottom. So, um, things that are on top of it would be like your lunch meat, your boiled eggs, your, um, any sort of, uh, fried chicken, things like that. That way it's less likely to go bad. And you want to aim to fill, uh, 25% of the cooler with ice. If you're going to use ice instead of ice packs. Love that. Um, and I also, I, I love the whole packing things in the order you need them to come out because that can be something where people just kind of say, okay, I'm going to throw this all in here and it's willy nilly in order. And you know, it, it's best to have that plan as we've talked about all through this, or take things out in the order or put them in, in the order you're going to take them out. I think that's kind of a, a, a really cool thing to do. Yeah. And you know, as part of like uh, being an independent living specialist, like organization is such a big part of what I do. So throwing anywhere where I can throw it in to, to make it easier for people, the better. Sure. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you have, um, if you're going to grill things, you want to maybe put your things in while they're still frozen. So you keep your frozen hamburger patties, frozen, uh, frozen hot dogs, whatever, you know, uh, appetizers you're going to grill, you put them in frozen and that way they'll stay fresher longer. And then you want to make sure you wrap up any raw meat in, in a package by itself and, uh, putting it in a cooler. So if it's in a Ziploc, maybe put that Ziploc in, a, in another plastic bag and then seal it up so that uh, it doesn't leak and contaminate all your other foods because cross-contamination is a, is a, could be a problem as well. And then, of course, you know, you want to prepare for the weather. So you want to pack an extra jacket, extra blankets or scarves, and possibly a large umbrella to either protect yourself from the sun or for, from the rain. And you can also get these really cool like uh, pop-up tents that you can put out so if people just want to get out of get in out of the sun a little bit, then they've got a spot to go. Awesome. Okay, what about patios? Ah, so patios, great alternative. So if mm-hmm. you don't want to bring your own food and drinks, and uh, being in Toronto, we have a lot of options. So we have a lot of theme different theme bars to try out, from sci-fi to tiki bars. There's a lot of awesome places you can try out now. Um, as with everything else, we will sort of want to consider the space. So we want to make sure it's like, it's accessible for everyone. Are there like low hanging signs from the ceiling? Are there sandwich boards that could cause tripping hazards? Are there room decorations that one could knock into? Um, are there elevators or ramps for people with mobility devices to enter the safe, the space safely? Um, to save time and energy, I always suggest that people uh, look up the menus online first and get a good sense of sort of what you want. So then that way, uh, when you get there, you can just sort of, uh, you know, you know exactly what you want and saves a whole lot of time. Um, now what I'm noticing, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but a lot of bars and restaurants are now having these QR codes in the center of tables to scan. Right. Yes. yes, for uh, for menus. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know how accessible they are. So this is why, you know, checking it out ahead of time if they're not able to give you a, a menu in an accessible format. Wow, I find um, I find I find that they cover the the QR code with something on the table, and it's they just kind of assume, oh, people will move that, and it's like eh, it doesn't quite work that way when you don't know they're there to begin with. Right, exactly. So you know, maybe to self advocate, you can sort of say to the server, "Listen, you know, I have sight loss, and it would really make a big difference to me if you could just kind of tell me, you know, is there." an accessible menu option? Is there a QR code and tell me where it is on the table so I can scan it? Or can you tell me maybe, you know, what your favorite things on the menu are? What would you get? So sometimes the servers always have, you know, the best ideas about what, um, what is the most popular. So if you kind of want to go that route, then you can. Um, 
the other thing too is uh, because you're paying for it, you deserve to have the food in the format of your choice. So if it's easier for you to have the meat taken off the bone or have bones removed uh, like from fish, let's say, or having salad cut up into smaller pieces, just let the server know. And um, they hopefully if they want that tip, they should comply. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, couldn't agree more. I do use that exact same thing. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful service when they do comply sometimes you get the odd one that doesn't but uh mm -hmm. it's it's really great when they do leanne thank you so much for this great topic we really appreciate it and we'll have to leave uh, barbecue safety for another day sounds great have a great week guys leanne barda joins us once a month on kelly and company however beginning in september she will join us on the third monday of each month folks it's that time again We'll uh, rejoin you and we'll take a look into a couple of minutes to see what's coming up with the gang now with Dave Brown and Brock and I'll wave bye. So stick around, please. We'll cover off some more after this. Okay, Brock, you can breathe deep and just relax now. It's uh, it's almost over. Yeah. You know, you get to settle back here for a couple of moments and just take it easy, right? Well, well, hold on. A couple of things to do first, right? Let's talk a little bit about this show we just finished up as we, Brock and I, are sitting here at main campus at AMI, settling back. We're here for meetings today and stuff going on. Lots and lots of stuff, so uh, we'll get into a lot of that, uh, including in a couple moments a couple of things, but want to remind you to check out the Kelly and Company podcast if you missed any of the show. Best way to catch up on it, just check it out that way. You can listen to the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Brock provides our audio vanity card today, and when you're in there, give us a rating and review. Mr. Richardson, any segment you want to give a shout out to? Isn't it always fun to like tease meetings and things like that, and the audience doesn't know yet, but they will? Uh, sometimes I think sometimes it's a case of, uh, are we sharing that yet? Or when do we get to do the big, you know, uh, uh, unveil, un unveil, a reveal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I really liked on today's show, Margaret Weldon came in and gave us, uh, health headlines in replace of the one and only Jeff Ryman. And she talked about different ways you can, uh, you know, dry your hands, paper towel, the, uh, blow dryers, and then air drying. And I thought that that was a interesting conversation. There were some things that even made me like, hmm, didn't think of that one either. So very good conversation with Margaret. We basically spent the first half an hour of the program with Margaret. So it was kind of fun. Jim Crisco was also here. Um, really interesting things when you think about parts of Alberta, getting exposure to uh, getting out and, and checking out the waterways is, is one of his first subjects. But he also talked to us about a musician uh, out in Manitoba that with uh, working with Stevie Wonder's producer. So there was some really informative things. Check it out via the Kelly and Company podcast. Uh, 
For those listeners of Now with Dave Brown, folks, you have to pick the show out via podcast if that's one of your preferred mediums to listen to some of your great content, such as Now with Dave Brown. Or remember, beginning tomorrow, they're available via AMI-tv only, not here on AMI-audio. They start their run uh, on AMI-tv tomorrow, where you can find it exclusively uh, or available as a podcast. Speaking of said show, um, Brock, would you tell us what they've got going on over there? They have a discussion about how important it is mentoring individuals with disabilities. So that's a very good conversation. I have a mentor of my own that's sitting to my right. It's a great uh, thing to have. They also uh, preview with Amy Amanti, reviews the Netflix film Day Shift, and they check in with the Double Tap team talking all things technology as they kick off their five-day-a-week show here on AMI-audio as well. Sounds great. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a lot, too, as Brock mentioned. Double tap uh, here all the time. Every day you get a dose of the gang. They'll fill you in when they're here tomorrow at noon to kick off their run uh, on AMI-audio. New schedule for AMI-audio does start tomorrow. We'll tell you what's coming up here on Kelly & Company in a moment. Brock, thanks a lot for joining me in here. Thank you. I'm excited to leave the hot box. (laughs) And Brock will be back with me on the Thursday edition of Kelly and Company tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. On that program, Michael Fair will talk to us about the new course that he has been preparing to teach, which begins next week. Susan Kearney joins us, our gardener, to talk about familiar tasks that have to be done in your late summer garden. We'll talk to Terry Hodnot tomorrow on the show about how... The Canadian Adaptive Climbing Society creates and provides the opportunity for all people with all abilities to have access to climbing. Also on the program, we'll have the Thursday edition of Buzz with Bill Shackleton. We'll check in with our friends from CNIB Smart Life. Plus, we've got our weekly roundtable with our guest, reader here at AMI-audio, Matt Spears. Brock co-hosting, Matt joining us. Might be some sports. Don't tell them. Come on. Don't have too big of a mouth. Oh, yeah, I forgot he's here. We'll see you tomorrow when you, he, and I will be back here. Fedora's off to you. Hey guys, it's Brock Richardson, co-host of Kelly and Company, alongside Kelly McDonald, and I thought today I would discuss the fact and open up about the fact that I was a bit nervous going into today's show, and most of you would say, why? Because you've been doing this for so long, and it's a fair point, fair question, but the reason I was a bit nervous was because I was in Toronto, and it was Really nice to see everybody at the AMI main campus today and have a pizza party and see people we haven't seen in a long time. But I have not done the show in Toronto since before the pandemic. So I am very familiar with my home setup. I have a 32-inch television that I use for my script and uh, my note-taking as the show goes on whatever the case is that we need it for. And today, I had to use my laptop, which is only about a 
10-inch screen comparative to a 32-inch television. So for me, I was a bit nervous and wondering if it would be like getting back on a horse and a bike if you regularly do that. And thankfully, we got through the show. It was fun to be in the same studio as Kelly and even seeing Matt a little bit uh, behind them. Glass was great as well. And just all in all, a good day in Toronto and a good chance to catch up with some people that we have not seen in a very, very long time.